podcast with your host Madeline Moon. Episode 261 is here and it is also July which means we are six months into the year. We have six months left. It is the perfect time for all of us to take into account how our year's going and I think it's also this beautiful very real reminder of how quickly the years go by, how quickly the days go by, the weeks, and not to start this podcast off on a a dark note, but how quickly our lives go by, and how we have such little time to be wasting on people who don't value our lives the way that we value theirs, or on a job that's really sucking who we are out of us, or a fight that's been going on just too long, or a decision that every single day you spend time hem-hawing about rather than just putting one of your one of your decisions into action. So this is a great time of the year to get really clear on what's truly, truly not worth your time, and what's truly worth your time, and should be around, and should have more of your time because it's so worth it, and to let go what doesn't belong there anymore. So I just did my own little mid-year July goal reevaluation to look at what do I want to spend my time on for the rest of the year, financially, business-wise, friend-wise, New York City-wise, since I just moved here, what I really want to do in the summer and the fall. And I didn't create 10 to 20 different goals for each one of these things. In fact, I think I had like one to three. I want to get very, very narrow on my goals now. And I want to make them measurable. I want to make them specific. And I want to make them manageable. Things I can actually do. Realistic goals. Not goals that I am setting myself up to not accomplish. I want goals that are dreams, but they are things I know and truly believe in my heart of hearts can come to fruition by December by 2020. I encourage you to do this. Think about one to three goals you would like to see come to fruition in the next six months in regards to your friendships, aka your community, your career or your business that you're building, your financial health, your self-care, and maybe your adventure allotment. Where do you want to go in the next six months? What do you want to do? Do you want to travel somewhere that's within your state or your city, but it's new? Or do you want to go out of the country? Do you want to go on a retreat? Do you want to um, maybe go on one of those vision quests? So many different things, but I think it's always important to have something to look forward to. So take some time to do that. Um, I would say this week carving out a little bit of you time. This is self-care. Looking at your goals is self-care. In regards to what I mentioned in last week's podcast about doing more solo episodes, I had a resounding response of yes to that. 
And it feels really good in my body when I think about that. So I am going to do just that. I'm transitioning the show from primarily interviews to primarily solo episodes, my teachings, my lessons, and that feels really good. I feel that the interviews, something about doing interviews has gotten really stuck recently. If you were behind the scenes with me, you would see that. I have scheduled interviews with people, and then leading up to the interview, my body has cringed at the thought of giving the interview. And I couldn't really explain why. I kept thinking, oh, it's because this person reached out to me rather than me reaching out to them because the guests that I reach out to are generally the ones that I want to interview. I mean, I reach out to them. And the guests that reach out to me are typically the ones that I'm interviewing because they reach out to me. And I don't really haven't been following their work for five years and... My heart's just not really invested in them. So that's what I thought, and that could be very much true, that there is a big difference between those I reach out to and those who reach out to me. But even the people that I reached out to, oftentimes it felt like not, not the way it felt five years ago, three years ago, even one year ago, of the level of excitement. And uh, sometimes I would end up canceling the interviews um, like immediately after scheduling them, I just did that. Someone reached out and we scheduled it. And in the 24 hours after we scheduled it, my body was like, no, no, no. And I had to craft this, what I hope is a heartfelt email saying, I'm so sorry, we just scheduled this. And also I feel like I need to give myself some time to um, to really feel into the interviews that I do schedule before I'm booking them. So do you mind if we follow up on this in a few months? And they were fine with it. Um, I don't know what the real experience was because I know sometimes people um, can get really frustrated by that and I totally get it. I feel that I can get frustrated by that too. I think I would get frustrated by that. I don't remember the last time I reached out to a show to be on it because typically um, I have people who have been following my show who asked me to be on theirs and that feels really good the way that that happens but I would probably have a similar experience. And, and no one's wrong here, no one's right. And I'm, why am I sharing this? Why am I sharing this very inside look at what goes on behind the scenes of the show? I'm sharing this because I know you're going through an experience like this, where you commit to something and your body immediately says no afterwards. And there's something to be said for really holding true to a commitment. And there's something also to be said for acting as quickly as possible when you realize your body is no. And I've spent the past five and a half years fully playing, playing out with this commitment. And so I'm giving myself more room now to make make adjustments when my body is screaming no. So in the past five years, I would really hold true to every single interview that I made unless I was sick or it was like really out of integrity and alignment. Um, but now I, I realize my habit of saying yes is a little bit stronger than my habit of knowing if it is a yes or no to a guest. That might not land perfectly because I'm still learning how to articulate it, but I have such a strong habit now of saying yes to people, to being on the show, and that doesn't always serve me. And so having to pull back if it's 24 hours after scheduling the interview and saying, oh, I'm sorry, actually, I feel like I need to give myself more time to feel into this. It's like a training muscle until I can know my no, my true no, and my true yes faster. But with all that said, 
really what I'm saying here is I don't think it's just so much about the guests. I think it's that I'm actually going into a, a phase and a stage of the show where I want to be teaching. I don't want to be interviewing. I think that's really what it is. I just don't want to be interviewing. I want to be teaching. So we have some interviews that I've done over the past couple months that are lined up. Uh, Karen Curry, who is one of the best speakers on human design. Alexandra Roxo, who is a feminine goddess serpent queen. You're going to absolutely love her. Uh, we have Cheryl Muir, who is a twin flames knowledgeista. And um, who else do we have? We have someone else that is, oh, we have uh, Corinna Rosella, who is Rise Up Good Witch. She is the host of that podcast. And I told you all a while back, we were going to have a podcast about white privilege because of what happened in the Taylor Simpson episode, the beginning of that conversation. And then I explained in the next episode after that, what had happened with that. So if you're confused and you want to get the inside scoop, listen to both those interviews, the Taylor Simpson and the one right after that. I forget the name of it. But we have all of those guests uh, recorded, lined up, they're ready to go. And so I'm going to sprinkle those out every four or so solo episodes. So those episodes might be released throughout the duration of this year. And I feel good with that. The rest of the time, it's going to be me teaching because I have a lot to share. And I've realized that it's just not enough to do every other episode being solo or every few episodes. So with all of that said, today's episode is all about embodiment. I really wanted to dedicate uh, an episode just to embodiment because that is what I teach now. And I myself am in this other transitional area where I'm trying to learn how to teach embodiment in an online business because embodiment is all about being in the body and podcasting, one-on-one -on -one coaching via Skype, online courses, um, webinars, Facebook lives, all of that is using your face, using your mouth, which is all great. You need those things to teach embodiment, but it's more powerful to teach embodiment in real life, in person. When you have physical bodies, you can see what's happening within their bodies and helping them move their energy throughout the body. It's, it's body work, basically. It is body work. So imagine doing all body work via an online business. It can be a little bit of a dance of figuring out how to teach this really profound work in a way that is profound in an online business. And so I'm in a period of really learning that. And I created a program this year, the Feminine Spirit School, which I feel does a really good job of that. Of Because I, I teach a lot of practices. I wrote a post recently um, about how I went through this experience and I did a bunch of feminine embodiment practices to help myself through it. And I got all these comments of, I want your feminine embodiment practices. I want to learn more. Well, those are in the Feminine Spirit School, lots of them and I guide you through them. And, and that's where the integrity piece is because I don't wanna just say, okay, here are your pieces, bye. I wanna say, here are the embodiment practices you can do and here is the lesson around it, the explanation for it, the container for it, right? If you are confused on that verbiage and you're new to the show, listen to part one, two, and three of the divine feminine, masculine, and polarity that I did on this podcast. I will include all of those here in the show notes. They're very important. In order for your feminine energy to feel free and safe, you need to have a container. 
And I mean fully free. You can walk around in life like feeling free and embodied and, oh, I'm all my energy, feel all the things without a container and using life itself as your container. And you need to be a pretty well-versed practitioner to do that safely. And there are steps in order to go up to that place. And that's why I have the Feminine Spirit School is to take you through steps, eight weeks of of steps. And that's why my one-on-one coaching exists because there are steps in order to get to that level of knowing life is your container because we have trauma, we have wounds. So that brings me into embodiment. Like, What is embodiment? Why do we do embodiment? Um, and I remember even a year and a half, maybe two years ago when I was really first hearing these terms, I had projections of what I thought embodiment was. I thought embodiment was dance, really dance, movement, and that is a part of embodiment, but embodiment goes a lot deeper than that. So embodiment, embodiment according to the dictionary, the definition of embodiment is a tangible or visible form of an idea, quality, or feeling, which is perfect. Embodiment is taking ideas and concepts and archetypes and thoughts and making them tangible and visible. Example, Mm, I want to feel more of my queen. That's an idea, right? An idea or an archetype of queen. So when I say queen, you probably have your own conceptions of what that looks like. It probably looks like power, probably looks a little bit, depending on the queen, it could look a little stoic or stern or like, this is what we're doing, like demanding almost. Uh, There's sovereignty, there might be gold that flashes in your mind. There might be very big fur coats and a crown and a scepter. There might be this beautiful jeweled throne. There might be people worshiping and praising her. Obviously, these are all things that are in my mind's eye of a queen. So these are all ideas, right? And if embodiment is a tangible or visible form of an idea, quality, or feeling, we use the body to create a physical visible, tangible representation. So I want you to close your eyes and think about what the queen is to you. I just put a whole bunch of ideas in your mind, so I wouldn't be surprised if everything I just listed is what you think about. Um, So think about what a queen is, what a queen feels like in her presence, and what she sounds like with her voice. And what she loves, what she doesn't love, what she'll stand up for, what she'll fight for. Feel into what all of these things are in a queen. And I want you, only using your body, no words, to become a queen. Feel queen in the bottom of your belly. Feel queen in your shoulders. Feel queen from the tip of your head to your feet. Feel the roots of a queen stemming out of your feet and connecting to Mama Earth and going deep into the core of the earth. Feel your queen connecting with all the queens listening to this podcast right now. You don't know their faces. You don't know their interests, their dislikes, who they spend their time with. That doesn't matter. Simply feel their queen right now in this moment. Connect to their queen. Feel your queen in your throat. Feel your queen in your mind's eye. 
Feel your queen in your heart. And notice what happens to your body when you start to feel your queen in all these parts of you. Do you notice your shoulders pull back? Do you notice your head tilt in one direction or another ever so slightly? Do you notice your feet root more firmly into the ground? Do you notice that your breath is getting deeper and going deeper into the belly and being rounder? Notice what happens whenever you embody queen. And I, I, you can open your eyes now if they've been closed. I want you to think also if you were to walk your dog or if you were going to the grocery store or driving your car, how then would a queen do those things? How would a queen walk her dog? Would she be fast and run down the street? And would she pull her dog's uh, collar so that his neck was like, wow, where are we going? Or would she glide with him? Would she feel calm? Would she breathe deep? When she's getting her groceries at the grocery store, how would a queen do so? Would she run through the Trader Joe aisles, grabbing everything she needs, hem-hawing unconsciously? Or would she consciously reach for her apples and consciously reach for the vinegar or the olive oil and consciously pick which checkout line she's going to go into and consciously make eye contact. A lot of this comes down to consciousness also. Like you can go through the Trader Joe aisles quickly and full of rage if you wanted to, as long as you were doing it consciously. You're aware that you're moving fast. You are aware that you are full of frustration. Being aware is a form of embodiment. When you're unconscious, you're not in your body. You're in your head or you're even disassociated from that. There's embodiment, which is one of the deepest. This is the deepest layer. It's like embodiment. And then there is being in the head. And then there's being lost in the clouds, which is dissociation. And I think most of us are associated with that. Being in New York, I have the opportunity to realize people getting disassociated a lot more often. I had this thought yesterday. And this is a side note. This is a side note that was unexpected. I didn't think I would talk about this, but I feel if there are men listening to this, this may be helpful for you um, and how you can help serve us women because I found myself in a very uncomfortable situation. You know those moments when you stare off into distance and you're just like, you're just like looking off in the distance and you're thinking about something, but your eyes are locked on something, but you don't realize it. Like you're just thinking really deep about something and your eyes are locked on something. And maybe you're rehashing something that happened yesterday in a fight with your mom or you're thinking about something with your boss, but you're thinking really deeply about something and your eyes are locked on something. Masculine figures, I urge you and I beg you and I pray to you to please don't lock your eyes on a woman as you disassociate. People do this all the time on the subway. And I can tell that they're disassociated. I can tell they're not actually staring. They've left their mind. They're, they're off in la-la land thinking about something. But I have felt their eyes lock on my dress or lock on my spaghetti strap on my, on my shoulders or lock on my belly. And it is so uncomfortable because no amount of me look, trying to make eye contact with them and saying, hello, I see you, can get them out of their state. Like they are in a trance. And it feels very helpless and it feels very frustrating. And eventually I just have to look away. Um, I could go up to them and say, hey, 
what's up? Stop that. I haven't done that yet. That could be a part of my practice. I'm totally open to that. I don't think that's an unconscious thing to do. In fact, I think it's a very conscious thing to do. And I think it would be a gift to that man for him to see what he's doing and to be more conscious of what he's doing with his body. Because what you do with your body really affects what other people, how other people feel in their body. Right now, my practice is, okay, can I have sovereignty and ownership over my body regardless of what this person is doing with their body. And that's my practice. My next level of this practice would be to, to widen my arms and say, hey, what's up? And to do it connected to my heart rather than, ah, you're looking at me, stop it, right? Like really doing it with my queen energy because a queen wouldn't do that, the second one. She wouldn't go, ah. She'd go, hello, look at my eyes, hello, right? She would summon her power and she would do everything very consciously and with a lot of depth rather than just like, oh, really quickly, oh, stop looking at me. And, and I wanted to drop that here. And this goes for feminine beings and masculine beings, doesn't matter. But also, I feel very tender around this, the masculine beings, because I feel such discomfort when that happens. So just as a side note, we know masculine beings when you are disassociating from your mind and you are staring at us and it feels really uncomfortable and helpless if you were consciously looking at us there's something we could do about that if we were uncomfortable with it because you'd be looking at us you'd be actually be looking at us so if we looked at you and rolled our eyes you'd see that and you probably would look away or apologize you would adjust yourself but if you're not even there and your eyes have landed on us there's nothing we can do about it unless we physically like wave our arms and even then, depending on how deep you are into your trance, we might not be able to get your attention. All right, so embodiment. <laughs> embodiment is about getting back into the body in a world where we, we have been taught to live in the head. And I've done this the past five years of my business. A lot of my business has been around talking things out. And there's, there's been a, a readjustment in my business recently. Y'all have heard me talk about this on the show when I said I'm going to take a step away from one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's because I've had to have some time to learn how is my coaching going to look in terms of embodiment? How am I going to guide my sessions differently? And I have a much better grasp on this now. So I'm very glad that I gave myself some space to really figure out what this looks like. And I'm still unpacking it a bit. But for now it looks like a lot more practices in the sessions. Practices, meditations, body work. And then, of course, part of it, it is going to be looking at what are you creating in your life? Are you building a business? Are you wanting to strengthen your marriage? Are you wanting to date? Are you wanting to get out of perfectionism? Are you wanting to be in your feminine? And using embodiment to get you into all of those states, being more in the body rather than speaking about these things. Okay, so... I want to speak about the gift of embodiment and what it provides for us, going back again to the why. Why do we get into this space of embodiment? Well, again, as I have mentioned, but I cannot say this enough, since birth, your body has been learning what life is all about through your senses. So let's say when you were three years old, maybe there was a moment you were not fed on time. Your body was hungry and you cried and you screamed and mommy and daddy didn't get your messages that food is needed. So maybe you missed 
your feeding time by an hour, your body still had a physical response to that. There was something that happened uh, in the neural pathways and in your nervous system response that learned something, something in your body learned at that moment, oh, I am in danger of not being fed. I may feel hunger cues and I may not get my needs met. And so it's almost as if there was like this tally, this tally mark. Okay, that's one mark there. And then maybe there was another experience that added up to, oh, I'm cold and I'm not getting a blanket. I'm not feeling warmth. Oh, I'm cold and my body and the goosebumps are not warming me up enough. This could be at three and a half. And that's another tally mark of I'm not safe. And then maybe there was another experience when you're 13 years old and you open your heart and you feel love and you want to be with this guy because he's so cute and he's so funny and he's so adorable. And this guy tells his friend to tell you that he's not interested in you because you're ugly, because you're not cool, whatever kids say that's quite cruel, and you have your heart broken and you cry and you feel for the first time this experience of being different from others, from being not wanted, from opening your heart, like like in a way that you would open your heart to your parents and say, I love you, and you receive love back, but this time you didn't receive love back, and that's another tally mark. Your body is keeping score to all of this. There's a book called The Body Keeps Score, and I highly recommend this to anybody who's interested in learning about how trauma is stored in the body over time and how to heal it. I'll include the link to that in this. If it's on Audible, I'll include the link to the audiobook as well. But over time, your body continuously makes these tally marks over and over and over and over again. By the time you are your age, you might have thousands of tally marks of moments where you thought you'd be safe and your body internalized the experience as not safe. You actually might have been safe, right? So if you didn't get your meal in an hour window, you might actually be safe, but your body on a primal level did not see it as such. It saw it as unsafe. I am not safe don't be hungry or repress your hunger, you add on top these very day-to-day experiences of your body not feeling safe, you add on top of that uh, actual physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, manipulation, eating disorders, alcoholism, sex addiction, love addiction, shop addiction, shopping addiction, um, whatever else there could be. I mean, there's tons of things that I can mention, but any kinds of addiction or abuse, real-life shit... You add on top of those already day-to-day moments that your body internalizes as unsafe, and then you add on top of that to the actual moments of unsafety, being with an abusive family member or not receiving the food that you need, the nourishment that you need for five days in a row, or having one kind of experience over and over and over and over and over again in regards to relationships of maybe having someone sleep with you and then leave, or having cruel, abusive words being hurled at you, having those experiences then on top of those thousands of day-to-day tally marks. You get where I'm going? It's really intense. It's really severe. It's really hard. And then we spend time as adults going to work, doing a nine-to-five, not being able to leave our work whenever we're on our periods and we're having our cramps and then having to hide our tampons and then having our hearts broken or feeling 
dismissed by this person that we are interested in and not knowing how to speak up to them and then having best friends and feeling like our best friends are lying behind our backs and feeling betrayal and life is hard. What do you think happens when life gets so hard, my love? We leave, we check out, we go somewhere. We disassociate. We don't want to be here. It's hard because we don't have the tools to get back in our bodies. And even if we did, getting back in our bodies means feeling. And feeling can be so hard. I tear up. I tear up now because I, I'm so embodied that I can't help but feel all of the pain that we feel on a day-to-day basis. And it's so intense. The pain that we feel simply living and being in our bodies is so real when you're actually game on with it. And I would rather live a life being game on with all the feels and feeling everything on a daily basis than not being here and not feeling it and continuing the game of disassociation. Embodiment is all about getting back in the body. Finding where in the body your heartbreak is stored. Is it in, in your heart? It is, is it in your throat? Is it in your lower belly? Is it in your pinky toe? Is it in your calf? And here's the, here's the trick. Like, here's the place where a lot of people get stuck. You don't know where it is. I could take you through a meditation right now or an embodiment practice and, and maybe 15 minutes in, after some nice slow rootedness where you connect with mama earth and then you start moving your body a little bit, I might ask the question, feel your heartbreak, where is it? And immediately, whoop, might go right into the brain and say, where is it? Where do I think my heartbreak is? Think, 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 think. And that is not what is going to get you into the heartbreak. What is going to get you into the heartbreak and help you find the heartbreak in your body is to, is to simply feel Maybe, where does your breath quicken? Where do you feel tightness? What hurts in your body? And trust that that is it. If I was to ask you, where is your heartbreak in your body? You might feel your heart beat faster. And for that moment, I would urge you to go along with, it's your heart. Or you might feel your yoni tighten up. And for that moment, I would encourage you to go with, it's in your yoni. You might feel your calf muscles start to, to um, charlie horse or whatever a lighter version of that is. And I would say for that moment, go with that. Too often we think our way into bodiment and into, into meditations also. Um, I know my own experience in guided meditations, say someone leads me to see a guide and a guide gives me a gift, I overthink it. I'm like, what is the gift that they give me? What do they say? Instead of letting the answer come to me. And sometimes the answer that comes could could be nothing. And that's perfect. Maybe nothingness is the answer in that moment. A big key of embodiment is trusting. Trusting that if your heart clenches, your heart is, is where the embodiment is, where the pain is stored. Embodiment is about feeling the subtlest of cues in your body and trusting that that's where something is stored. 
That's one form of embodiment. Another form of embodiment is what we talked about earlier of consciously choosing to become an archetype. I'm becoming my queen now. I'm using my body to feel an energy. And this goes so hand in hand with what we talk about with the feminine and the masculine. The, The physical representation of the masculine is male and the physical representation of the feminine is female, if we were to take those energies and put them into human form, that would be what they are, but that doesn't mean we can't feel the other. One day I might walk out and be like, okay, I want to feel my King Arthur today. Embodiment is an amazing way to access shadow parts of ourselves. So David Data and one of my teachers, John Wineland, um, and Kendra Kunov, they talk about all these different energies that we can become like the queen, the oracle, the, and I'm going to say it, and some of you may stop breathing, so breathe as I say this, but the, the whore, the sacred slut, these are all archetypes that we can step into consciously. I have fun with my sacred slut, and it doesn't mean anyone else is present, it could just be me, and I might have a 10-minute practice in my bedroom where I embody, I turn on music, and I embody a sacred slut. How would a sacred slut move? What would she do? And every time I do something like that, it helps unlock a shadow part of myself I have been repressing because of all the tally marks, all the tally marks of being in middle school, of hearing the word, oh, she's a slut, and hearing people shame and blame and guilt and and witch hunt 13-year-olds who were exploring their sexuality. And me hearing that enough made me want to turn off these parts of myself And so now as an adult, I have sacred practicing time to go into my sacred slut to unlock this very crucial piece of me, the piece of me that is sexually open. I want to reclaim her. And that doesn't mean anything else happens. That doesn't mean I go out into the world and I am a sacred slut with everybody. It means I'm a sacred slut with myself in containers, in chosen times. And that's really, really powerful to use embodiment as a tool to access different pieces of ourselves. Last year, I worked a lot with jealousy and I accessed jealousy. I embodied jealousy. I had 10 to 20 minute containers by myself where I just went full on out into jealousy. And I became like jealous Janelle. And I turned on music and I danced as Jealous Janelle and I wrote poems as Jealous Janelle and had fun with her rather than repressing her and shaming her and blaming her. And the difference here between what most people are doing is that, and this is okay to do, okay, so David Data and my teachers, they talk about the three stages and I'll go over them over with them briefly. And in the first stage of this type of communication is unconscious. It's where oftentimes we can have a fight. So if we were to look at Jealous Janelle, how would she live out the first stage? She may say, ah, you always do this, gosh. Well, you always do this. You always look at other women. Why do you do this? It's so frustrating. And it's very outward. It's very coming at the other person and it's not very healthy. And it's not very healing. And that's the first stage, the stage a lot of people are living in. And this also could be passive aggressive, where you actually don't spew out your words like that, but instead you withhold. You withhold your truth, and it comes out in sneaky, sly ways. But everyone feels it. There's a dissonance in what you're saying. I'm fine. And how you actually feel. People can feel it. They feel that there's something else going on there. 
The second stage is the healthier stage. And that is where a lot of people, I think, in, the, in this personal development world are living in. It's the healthier stage of, I feel this way. Honey, when you look at other women, I feel like I'm not enough for you. And it hurts my heart. And it makes me want to close off. See, this is really healthy. This is a, a really beautiful place to be. And it's not really embodied, if you can feel that. It's not really in the body. It's not really using the body to create art out of this situation. It's still in the head. And that's where a lot of us live in coaching. And we live in therapy. And we live in our authentic relating circles. It can be very much in the head. Well, actually not authentic relating. I take that back. That's very much in the body as well. But any kind of talking out situations in a healthy manner, that is a very good place to be. And it's a place that a lot of us need work on. And inc myself included, I think all of us forever need to be honing in on our second stage, learning how to communicate in healthy ways how we feel. So that's second stage. And then third stage is actually using your body to create art of how you feel. Last year, in one of my practices, when I was playing with Jealous Janelle, I did this sacred theater piece where I used my body to play with jealousy. And I turned on a Beyonce song, and I filmed a video. Beyonce has this song about jealousy. She's like, mm, jealous. I can't sing it for you. That's the only part I can say. And I got on my silkiest nightgown, and I performed like this whole thing for my video for John and Kendra, my teachers, and the rest of the people in my small group, where I just like totally used my body to demonstrate what jealousy was, like cat, like I was a cat clawing and, and touching my own body and looking at the camera like, mm, you want this? I know you want this. You can't have this. Uh-uh. You can't have this if you're going to be looking at other women because this belongs to me and like I really became jealous Janelle and I used my body for it I didn't talk about it I didn't talk about I feel this is what's happening this is this which is great but the next level where you can actually bypass all of that and you can break up a tense icky moment with art could be embodiment and also, this is a deeper layer, but embodiment can also be used to create polarity. And that is a lot of the work that I do with John and Kendra is how can we create, we can use these real life situations. So I feel really jealous, but actually create a moment out of this that leads to having sex with my loved one. Like it can be so hot. My jealousy can turn into something so hot that it ends up with us wanting to rip our clothes off. We could go the talking route where we speak about our feelings, but that's not really sexy, right? It's kind of a polarity killer. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But there's also, if we're, if we're consciously choosing, if we're consciously choosing that we'd rather have the conversation great and also know it won't lead to like massive amounts of polarity and wanting to rip your clothes off, want to pounce on each other. And that's okay. That's needed. But then also, if you want to use this moment of tension and maybe even using your frustration to create polarity and to create sexual friction, great, let's do that too. And if I did that dance, that I'm jealous dance, using my real life frustration 
around jealousy and turned it into something quite beautiful, that would probably lead to wanting to rip our clothes off. And that is an advanced level, okay? So don't listen to this and say, oh, why am I not there yet? I need to start using my heartbreak to create sexual polarity. That's an advanced level. And it's not to say you can't do that now, but more so what I'm sharing is to show what's possible and all the different layers of embodiment. So I've told you about embodiment versus like talk therapy and the importance of getting in your body to heal trauma on a nervous system level, on a physical level. Embodiment is beautiful for that. Embodiment is beautiful for helping you unlock shadow sides like your queen, your oracle. It helps you to actually welcome in the parts of you you shut off. Embodiment is great for creating sexual polarity because you can take what you feel on the inside and turn it into art in many different ways. I gave you the example of a dance with jealousy and making it hot by putting on a nightgown and like (laughs) taking out my cat claws. But there's tons of different ways. There's thousands of different emotions that you could turn into sacred theater or make art out of. Again, I've learned this with, with John and Kendra and it's through the lineage of David Data. And so for now, I just want to drop all of this in. There's so much more that I can go into. Let me know your questions. What more do you want to hear about embodiment? What's really piqued your interest out of all these different things that I've talked about? In regards to the shadow work, if you're really interested in becoming your sacred slut, your queen, your oracle, your student, your like working with these parts of yourselves that you've turned off, um, as a side note, last year and this year, an, an archetype that I think about often is Courtney Love. And I talk about this in the Feminine Spirit School. One of the archetypes that I really worked with last year was Courtney Love because Courtney Love is super messy and out there and her fans either love, 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 love her or they're not fans and they hate her. And she owns it. She doesn't care. And so whenever I am working with my perfectionism, prim and proper Southern girl, kind of energy, which is my my go-to energy. That's kind of how I was raised, just to be very prim and proper. I summon in Courtney Love. And I'm like, how can I be messy? How can I be messy and all over the place? How can I walk my dog as Courtney Love? How can I be on the subway as Courtney Love? And so she's a shadow for me, a really healthy shadow that I've been playing with. So you, your archetypes can be anything. It can be a coffee cup to a papillon or a chihuahua. Like you can become anything you want and do your day-to-day activities as those things. It's so awesome, y'all. And that is the event that I'm hosting with Jamie Woolrab, who is an actor and a vocal coach. He and I are going to be teaching people how to become these shadows. We're gonna help you find what is your shadow. We're gonna pick it for you. So we take off the pressure of you picking it, but we're gonna be picking a shadow for you if you're a prim and proper woman who's terrified of messing up in life and it's affecting all different areas of your life, we are going to help you by picking an archetype, a shadow for you to play with over the weekend and embody in everything that you do and you're going to become that shadow to help unlock your Courtney Love or your Mark Manson or your... Um, let's say Michael Jackson or your Queen Elizabeth or your King Henry or your King Arthur or your, 
Athena or your Diana or your Buddha, whatever you're working with, we're going to help you unlock that at the embodied archetype. The embodied archetype giving a voice to the hidden shadow. And we're going to help you use your voice as a way to do so. And we're going to do embodiment work. So if you're interested in doing embodiment work, getting in the body breath work, moving energy through your body, healing trauma through your body, come. It's going to be in Brooklyn, New York. It's going to be a weekend. It's on the less expensive scale of my events. In fact, this is one of the lower price points that I've ever done. And it's going to be easy breezy. It's going to be just a really nourishing, fun weekend. And if you're interested in coming to New York, this is such a great way to come because it's going to be in Brooklyn. It won't be in the heat of everything. And I know a lot of people are probably like, I'm worried to be in the craziness. We're outside of that. We're in Dumbo, which is a beautiful area of New York. And it's much quieter calmer. It has that historical shot um, of the bridge that everyone wants to get their picture taken by. And it's a really cool area of Brooklyn. There would be plenty of Airbnbs around. So we would love to have you there. If you're familiar with breathwork and embodiment work, come. If you're unfamiliar with it, come. Go to maddiemoon.com forward slash events to fill out the information that we need from you. Even if you're not quite sold, but you're interested, fill that out because me and you will have a conversation and we'll take it from there in email so I can tell you more about the event behind the scenes because the page doesn't have all too much information about it. And that's where I really like to explain is by having a call with you and explaining the event more and answering your questions in that kind of format. So feel free to apply for the event there. If you're interested in doing one-on-one coaching, I do have an opening for two clients. You can go to Moon forward slash coaching to apply there, read more, and let me know about your thoughts on this podcast. What are your questions about embodiment? What's really intrigued you? You can go to Instagram or you can go to my website to leave comments or just email me. I hope you enjoyed this. I am so looking forward to next week's episode, teaching more with you about embodiment. And have a great rest of your week. Bye.